0: So, think about it, ladies and gentlemen, this week. The last space shuttle ever has gone aloft. It's up there as you hear this show. And people are now setting up petitions to restore
1: the space program. What's your feeling about this, Chris? Well, I'm really disappointed. That I think when Barack Obama was on the campaign trail back in 2007, you know, he was making all the right noises uh, in terms of manned spaceflight, getting us back on track in space, and here we are. Uh, just, you know, another promise uh, down the tubes. It's a change we uh, can, like, lament over, I guess. Uh, it's really unfortunate that our man presence in space is starting to go the way of the dinosaurs, and uh, I think we're in a, <laughs> a retroactive period here in you know, in terms of uh, space flight, uh, there's some question even to NASA surviving all these budget crises that we're, we're in, and that would really be unfortunate. I don't think the private sector has the money and, you know, I think the proper motivation to get us, uh, you, know, trend, you know, transition us from a, uh, a governmental space program to a private industry space program. I, I don't see any real um, impetus to to do that so I'm I'm saddened by by the whole thing gene
0: well I'll tell you something here let's forget for the moment who occupies the White House I don't think anybody in Washington has the stomach has the spine the titanium spine to bring back the space program you know they're talking about we got to cut this we got to cut that we got to put people out of work whatever whatever you think about the politics right or left doesn't matter Nobody has a vision for the space program. The last vision I heard yeah. of the space program was John F. Kennedy saying, we will land a man on the moon before 1970. And he didn't do it because he wanted to explore space. As
1: I recall, he did it to beat the Russians. Yeah, yeah. we, we need motivation. It's unfortunate that we're, there's some estimates that we're going to be spending up to $6 trillion uh, overseas, subjugating other countries and uh you know, instituting democracy all around the world uh, at the point of a gun. And if we had even spent one-third of that money on the space program, just look where, where it could be right now. We could be, you know, chugging our way in a, in a few years to, to the moon, possibly to mine helium-3 or some sort of manned mission to Mars uh, somewhere. I mean, we need motivation. Chris, we have the
0: technology in 1969 to send a man to the moon. How come we don't have that technology in 2011 or 2012, why do we have to wait? And even then, we're not going back to the moon. According to the current plan, we're going to land on an
1: asteroid. What's the reason for that? Why don't we go back to the moon? I don't know. There's some conspiracy buffs out there that might say we were warned away. Uh, there's a movie coming out, <laughs> I think, uh, what's it called, Apollo 18, where they're, they're going to fictionalize a, uh, you know, another Apollo mission that uh, stumbles on, a, I think, some sort of spaceship or something on the moon that was there or crashed or something. Uh, the new Transformers, I think, has a a sequence where they land on the moon, uh, astronauts, and they find this huge spaceship and an alien and and that sort of thing. We We got to do something. I mean, our sun is going to go Nova. We're going to get hit by an asteroid. Something calamitous will happen. It's not so much if it'll happen it's it's when and we need to get out and seed uh the stars we need to get this gene pool off this rock spinning in space out into the cosmos and it doesn't look like we're going to be doing it anytime soon well i'll tell you
0: what i've done okay at the urging of mrs steinberg i'm going to link to one or more of the petitions out there to restore the space program like i said forget about the politics it doesn't matter Liberal, conservative, middle-of-the-road, independent, whatever you are. You like Obama, you hate Obama. You like one of the Republican candidates. You like Ron Paul, it doesn't matter. We need the space program. Think of all the stuff in our technology today that came out from the space program. And not Tang <laughs> drinks, by the way.
1: <laughs> right. you yeah. know, Steak in a tube.
0: Oh, i got to have steak in a tube. That's one of the great inventions. But think, you know, basically everybody now has a supercomputer in their pocket. It can be an iPhone. It can be an Android phone. I think a third of the people in this country in America have some kind of smartphone containing technology and processor power, dozens, hundreds of times more powerful than the onboard
1: computers of the Apollo spaceships. We can't go back? So we can but... uh... Like you said, it all boils down to motivation and uh, proper expenditure of money. I, I think this country is really down the river when it comes to, uh, you know, balancing our uh, our purse strings. And, and it's – I think we're going to have hell to pay if we don't, if we don't start cutting uh, money from where it needs to be cut, from, uh, you know, ridiculously high defense uh, budgets and expenditures. We have bases in 160-plus countries around the world. I mean – we need to take care of our own right now. We need to really kind of tighten it up, pull back a little bit from being the world's uh, cop, and start spending money where it really is going to do the most benefit down the road. Uh, your, your point is well taken about how this, this uh, effort back in the 60s really helped jumpstart uh, scientific innovation and Inventions And it, it's just, um, you know, uh, we should probably do a whole show on this at some point, because this is really a uh, it, it's it's really a sad state of affairs, Gene.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, I have been talking with Don Ecker, and of course, he also explores lunar mysteries. Don Ecker, of course, is the host of the Dark Matters radio show. He is a moderator in the PowerCast forums. He's my friend, a longtime friend and a friend of the show. And there are two areas that he's been investigating. One, of course, is the situation regarding UFO researcher, paranormal researcher, Philip Imbrogno, you know, where we've already discovered with the help of one of our listeners, who has basically come out and admitted who he is. His name is Lance Moody. He's a skeptic, but he's also somebody who is really trying to investigate and point out the flaws in our logic, and in this case... The flaw he found was that Philip Imbrogno's degrees don't pan out. And Don Ecker has been investigating this, too, and he'll have an answer and some more information soon on his show and ours. He'll also be coming on the Paracast soon to talk about lunar mysteries. So what you talked about earlier and what we touched on, Chris, is it possible we went to the moon, one of those Apollo excursions, and someone or something on the moon said, you are not welcome here don't come back.
1: What about that? Well, we had David Hatcher Childress on the show, and he did bring up uh, some other very interesting points. Some of the uh, anomalies that are found on the moon, the Blair cusps come to mind, obelisks that uh, supposedly are on the moon that have been photographed and I think covered up. Uh, I think it's definitely worth a show. Uh, there's a lot of information out there uh, concerning the moon that doesn't quite jibe with you know the scientific paradigm in terms of of what the moon actually is, why it's in the orbit it is, how come it's so perfectly positioned. Uh, It's almost uh, the odds of of this happening are are pretty high, uh, you know, happening naturally. So, yeah, I I think this would be a a fun show. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. That will be Don Ecker coming up in the
0: future. But today we're going to be talking about a guy who has a website called Truth Seeker at Roswell, Truth Seeker at Roswell. And he's Dennis Balthasar, and yes, he's a longtime Roswell researcher, also researches the mysteries of the Great Pyramid, but he's also very concerned about the tragic state of UFO research. And he had an editorial about that subject probably a year and a half or so ago, kind of lamenting over the fact that you have all these gatherings. You know what I'm talking about. This has happened over the years, Chris, where <laughs> you have this gathering, you have a lot of serious scientific UFO researchers, and you have a few wackos in there. And I guess the wackos are brought in to maybe boost the box office. But is that a good way to present the
1: face of the UFO field? And that's something that concerns Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to dig into this one pretty deeply. I was at the conference that I think uh, actually inspired him to write his diatribe about the uh, the state of uh, the conference system in, in ufology. And uh, I think we're... fasten your seatbelts it's gonna be a bumpy ride and the guest is
0: dennis balfazer i'm gene steinberg the co-host is chris o'brien you're in the
1: ParaCast.
0: okay so who is watching your home when you're not there Help protect your home with a security system monitored by ADT. It's the leader in home security. Remember, ADT is a number one monitoring service in the country. It comes with world famous ADT yard signs. The monitoring cost is just $1 a day. You probably pay more for coffee. This is the safety for your family and your possessions, you can save up to 20% on homeowner's insurance. Just call Protect Your Home, your authorized ADT dealer. Call now and get $850 of equipment and activation free. Call 1-866-778-3127. Call 1-866-778-3127. And here's our fast disclaimer. $99 Ninety-nine dollar installation charge, thirty-six month monitoring agreement at thirty-five to thirty-nine dollars per month. Call for terms and conditions and license numbers.
2: Peter Kranznamo from Midas Resources. Today's July fifteenth, two thousand eleven. Gold open this morning at fifteen eighty-eight. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for sixteen twenty-seven ninety-two, eight thirteen ninety-six for a half ounce, and four zero six ninety-eight
3: for a quarter ounce. Sixteen twenty-seven ninety-two, eight thirteen ninety-six, and four zero six ninety-eight. The Constitution and Bill of Rights have been reduced to old relics politicians ignore and trample with their outlandish, overreaching policies. Your support for the Campaign for Liberty stands in the way of this insidious process. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I've teamed up with the Campaign for Liberty to offer the authentic-proof quarter-ounce pure gold coin. For only $480 plus shipping and handling, Midas will donate $100 to this incredible organization. Help fight big government by ordering your gold coin at 800-686-2237. You get to win twice by owning gold and fighting an overreaching government. Call 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237.
4: You've heard a lot lately about Zeolite, but what is it and why do you need it? Zeolite is a beautiful, complex, crystalline structure that encapsulates radiation and odors. Zeo King Zeolite naturally eliminates radiation poisoning your body may pick up from x-rays, security scanners, or nuclear fallout. ZeoKing King flushes environmental toxins absorbed from smoke, cell phones, and chemicals so it detoxifies heavy metals, including mercury, lead, and cadmium. Zeo King Zeolite helps boost your immune system, allowing your body to balance itself and cut off food supply to cancer and parasites. Order your Zeo King Zeolite now from zeoking.com for only $39.99 and receive a free month supply with every order. Call 888-402-6779. That's 888-402-6779. Or visit zeoking.com, that's z-e-o-king.com, for natural elimination of radiation poisoning.
6: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
2: We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com
0: On the Powercast with Gene and Chris, we welcome back someone who has not been on the show for several years. And that's Dennis Balfazer. Of course, somebody who's done a lot of work into Mysteries of the Great Pyramid, also into Roswell. But we brought you on in response to an editorial you did about the state of UFO events, conventions, etc., about the presence of the woo-woo element. Dennis, welcome back to the show. Tell us, what are you concerned about?
7: Thank you. It's been a while. Um, I'm going to be 70 years old this October. I've been doing this professionally for the last 15 years, been interested in ufology for the last 20, 25 years, and I'm seeing a great influence of what I refer to as the woo-woos, card readers, chamas and those kinds showing up at conferences that are supposed to be UFO-related conferences. And I think they probably deserve their own venue, but I don't think they should be mixed in with people like Stanton Friedman, John Greenwald, Jr., Travis Walton, and the likes of those serious researchers and people. And I've got a great concern about that, and I'm looking at whether this may be my last year to do the research or not.
0: But isn't it true, Dennis, that this has been part and parcel of UFO conventions for years? I mean, let's go back to the days in the 60s and 70s when Jim Mosley was sponsoring UFO events in New York City. And he had a lot of serious people there because Jim, you know, when you get past the sardonic sense of humor, he's very serious about the subject, but he also had some wackos on there. This has been true for years. You've always had this element, and we're not saying that some of these paranormal claims are not relevant or valid. We're talking about people that are presenting the proper face for UFO research. This has been going on. It's nothing new.
7: That's true, but I think the existence of UFOs, when it's provable, will be done by scientific research or serious research, not by some card reader or some psychic or... Someone claims to have been abducted and, and been impregnated five or six times. What really kicked me was up at uh, Angel Fire last year. I was master ceremonies for their conference, and I had had people like Stanton and uh, John Greenewald and uh, Travis Walton, some serious serious and people. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, I was there too. Yeah, and then I also we consider to... him
0: serious. By the way, Chris is serious.
7: Sometimes. <laughs> now, I had, one of the things I was responsible to do was introduce a tinfoil hat contest. My background is civil engineering. I had 33 years with the Texas Highway Department and three years with an Army Engineering Battalion. So I take this very seriously. And I think it's of such importance that it needs to be taken seriously. And introducing a tinfoil hat contest didn't sit well with me. But as the master of ceremonies, I was required to do that what I'm seeing at a lot of conferences and like you said, I mean this has been going on for some time, but the frustration that I have with not only that but with the the politics here in Walswell between the museum and the city. I just I'm tired of that. And I'm gonna look at, it at the end of the year and see if maybe this is the time to, to hang it up.
0: Well let me put the onus on you then. Would it be worth someone like you sponsoring a UFO convention And you vet the people before they go on. I mean, this is an argument that we had with people like Steve Bassett, who came on the show and he has these ex conferences and myself and our former co-host, we argue with him over the fact that, yeah, you've got some pretty serious people there, but then you've got people who have very extreme positions. And he basically (laughs) said that doesn't matter in rather heated terms.
7: I think it does matter, Uh, you know. And like I say, I think they deserve a venue, and they may have some some information that is of value. But I think to mix it in with with the series researchers and promoting it as a UFO conference, to me, that that just doesn't set well. Maybe it's just personal with me, but that's my hang-up.
1: I agree totally, Dennis. And, and at, at the end of the Angel Fire Conference, I sat down with Janet Saylor, who pretty much put the whole thing together, and— I kind of patiently let her through the the idea that, you know, you can't be all things to all people. If you have a lot of psychics and channelers and new age types, that's going to turn off the, you know, your real serious UFO um, audience. And if you have real serious UFO investigators and researchers... Oftentimes that turns off the new agers and the woo-woo types. So she's trying to be all things to all people and I said, Look, you've got to you know, you've got to decide what you want to do and who you wanna be here with this conference. Right. And she nodded and said, Yeah, very good, yeah, you're right, you know, and, and look at the the roster this year. It's even More weighted over onto the New Age side. She still is trying to attract the UFO crowd by having a few um, speakers addressing that particular topic. And you're right. It's like oil and water, I think. Uh, There are connection points, but I think by and large, it's really doing both sides of that equation a disservice by trying to mix and mingle the two.
7: Yeah. I agree. I think another another hang-up I have is the media. I really enjoy radio. Shows like the PowerCast, uh, Jerry Pippen, and some of the shows I've been on, uh, radio is live. Normally, there's very little editing takes place, whereas with TV and documentaries, I've had some bad experiences with with some of the TV documentary people. The, The National Geographic, for one, Stanton and I, did several hours of taping with the National Geographic channel several years ago and when they aired the show, the last thing that the announcer said was that Roswell was a myth.
8: Now,
0: isn't and it interesting, though, you'll sit there, and as you say, you'll spend hours recording something for a TV show. For free. you'll get 10 seconds on the air if that.
7: Right. And, and who do they normally give the time to? They give it to the skeptics or the debunkers, and that's the ones that usually get the, the air time. Unlike what most people think, there's no reimbursement. There's no reimbursement for the for the person who has spent years and money and time doing the research, and then when it airs, I've had a I've had to go to the extreme, but they put a different question with my answer. So you, you have know what that
0: Chris had a situation like that where he spent a lot of time doing a TV show about mysteries and what san luis valley and on the tv show chris it
1: ended up being in sedona arizona mm-hmm. right well it, it was a, a ufo hunters episode on portal areas gateway areas window areas however you want to define them and i pa- patiently led them through my my theory and the formula that i used to identify these types of special areas and of course every other sentence was san luis valley because all this the majority of this information was was gathered there uh in Colorado 400 plus miles away from Sedona. Right. And they they switched everything around and made it sound like everything I was talking about I was referring to Sedona and they actually took parts of three sentences to to you know reformulate a single sentence that that sort of thing. And and you know I I just it, it, that's inexcusable. I I really have a problem with that. I've been very lucky over the years I've done g's 3540 probably TV segments and only twice have I had had you know a real major issue with honesty and um, and the editing process, shall yeah. we say so uh, but that was inexcusable, and uh, i I just you know it's not it 's not right. I think the audience should be told the truth. I understand that these people are in the entertainment industry, but there has to be a line that you don't cross when it comes to honesty and actually presenting the facts the way they were intended and well, that wasn't the case it. in my segment we'll pause here we have chris o'brien's the co-host dennis
0: ball is our guest this week i'm gene steinberg you're in the paracast
9: ray perkins a reclusive veteran burned out from the gulf war lives tortured by relentless perplexing nightmares nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack Attack! of the rock. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes...
10: Ready to save? Then you're ready for the super summer sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with you, Himbe, and Super Femplex Plex for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine condroit 60 cap, summer sale priced at only $12. Colin an and Answer 250 caps. Summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at herbalhealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time.
11: If you drive for a living, you don't get paid to stop or wait in line. Keep your wheels moving with PrePass. Bypass weigh stations. Fly by port of entry facilities. Stay moving at highway speed while the guy without PrePass waits in line. Save time. Save money. Call 888-401-PASS to try PrePass free. That's
12: 888-401-PASS. What's cooking at PrizeKitchen.com? Plenty. Low prices on your favorite kitchen brand appliances, Vitamix blenders, Omega juicers, reverse osmosis systems, and more. Plus, free shipping on it all. PrizeKitchen.com gives your family the tools for a healthy lifestyle by eating more fruits and veggies and drinking pure water. Go to PrizeKitchen.com. Great selection. Low prices. Free shipping. PrizeKitchen.com. We help make healthy lifestyles convenient.
13: The American people think they live in a constitutional republic, land of the free, home of the brave, right. Just try those lines on the judge when you get a ticket or have to deal with a big bad IRS. Instead, use escapeharassment.com. Since 1972, our volunteer group of researchers and educators have successfully taught how to escape tickets by law. And it works. Escape harassment has three different steps to follow, depending on where you are in the ticket process. Learn how to escape tickets, IRS, or court proceedings before you go to court. For free, three-minute pre-recorded information and FAQs, call this toll-free number one 877 877-457-9009. That's 877 457 9009. Or go to escapeharassment.com and see our money back guarantee. That's escapeharassment.com. Remember, escape harassment works.
6: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here.
7: Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri?
0: We're back. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. We're talking to Dennis Balfazer about, I guess, the tragic state of UFO research, UFO conventions, media coverage. Now, to be fair, you know, when you shoot a TV show, an interview... You're going to basically shoot more footage than you're going to use. Now, of course, it's just digital recording. But an honest editor is going to air segments that properly represent what the person has to say. Honestly do. I mean, this is what we did when I was doing broadcasting as a newscaster. And I go around and I would record interviews with people or I'd record speeches. And I try to find the comments that properly represented what was going on. Yes, we have the sound bites and all that stuff, the soundbite culture, mm-hmm. but you want to be honest about it. But if you go in there with your particular point of view, your agenda, and you say, well, we're going to find out about the mysteries in Sedona, and Chris is talking about another state, a city 400 miles away, we'll just change it. That's pathetic.
7: Right. You know, most people think that we researchers get paid well for, for doing those things when, in fact, they're 99% free, and they want all the information that we've gathered over the years to use on their program. And I'm convinced that the, the documentaries and the TV shows, are they have two things in mind. One is ratings, of course, and the other is profit. And I don't know that they're really concerned about factual information because I think that's been proven over and over.
0: Well, that's the whole news business today.
7: Yeah. Of all the interviews that I've done over the years, I would say maybe five I would consider creditable, which is not a very high percentage of the total number of, of interviews I've done. And that's why I like radio so much. I like radio, I like being able to write editorials, and I've even run into trouble with that. The MUFON Journal would take my editorials and either omit some of what I wrote because of space, they said, or they'd reword things. And, you know, when you write something, that's copyrighted. So well, you know, do-
0: understandably, though, an editor is going to change something, but if it's going to change the meaning, you kind of like, I would hope, you go back to the writer and say, look, for space reasons, for whatever, grammar, spelling, I made a few changes, is this Okay. That's no, what my editors used to do when I was writing technology reviews.
7: Yeah, they didn't do that. They just made the changes, and when it came out in the in the journal, I saw that that it had been changed. I'll be honest. The UFO magazine has been as creditable with my editorials as anybody that that uh, has used them, and I appreciate that. You know, and and I appreciate when uh, a reporter shows up at a at a conference and they they give actual factual in, information in their report. Because it doesn't matter. How refreshing. Have to, pardon? <laughs> yeah.
1: I said, How refreshing that would be.
7: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I'm just getting old, I guess, and cranky. But, you know, spending all this money and time, and I, I lose three, $4,000 a year doing the research, but uh, I think it's important. But I may have reached a point where I let somebody else do it.
0: Okay, so would it make sense for Dennis Ballfaser? To put on his own UFO convention, get the serious people, and focus and showcase that, and try to get the media to see what UFO research is all about.
7: Well, living in Roswell, that's not a possibility. It, or here in Rossville, it wouldn't be a possibility because of the control that the UFO museum has over the city. That was proven this year. Tell us about that.
0: (laughs) I think listeners want to hear about this. You think Roswell, that's a tourist attraction. You have an event in Roswell. It's going to attract worldwide attention. It's, you know, UFO Center. So what's the problem?
7: Well, the problem is that a couple years ago, the museum ran it, and uh, attendance was down, uh, income was down. So the city took it over two years ago. And, in fact, I was on the committee to help organize the festival last two years ago. And we had two festivals. We had the museum festival and we had the city festival, and and we had big crowds. Well, we got our new mayor last year. He decided to give it back to the museum, so he gave her $150,000 in lodgers tax to run the festival this year. Over the four-day period of the festival, I understand that the museum had something like 7,500 people. That's not a high number considering previous years. So whether they continue to run it or not, I don't know. But there was another group tried to have a conference went to the mayor, asked for some lodgers tax, and was told that if you compete with the museum, you don't expect any money ever in the future. So we have a political situation here. The museum brings in a lot of money for, for Roswell. There's no doubt about it. And I'd be the first to admit that it's a vitally needed facility. But the way it's run and operated, I really question a lot of the things they do.
0: Well, okay, that's the other question here. Does that mean that you can't have an independent convention because of the presence of that museum and what it does?
7: I believe that's probably right, because it was tried this year, and they were flat told they can't do it. They can't compete with the museum. And you have other organizations here that are uh, non-profit that should be getting some of that lodgers tax, and when you give $150,000 to one organization, I'm not sure that's completely fair either. $150,000
0: $150,000 is more than enough money to put on a pretty good convention. I mean, over the years, I've worked with people who've planned such events, and they were lucky to have five or 10000
7: Yeah, that's right. Now, I don't know that there's any accountability for that $150,000. I've not heard or seen any accountability for it. And how it was spent, I don't know. She did have good speakers. They had the same speakers they always have. Stanton, Don Schmidt, Tom Carey, uh those type of people, but uh, the accountability I would question. I really would.
1: Sounds like a lot of people are getting paid over there.
7: <laughs> There's
1: been a, a problem, though, between the museum and the in the city and investigators. I know that you've been uh, battling some issues well, been, uh, around banned. this subject.
7: I'm banned from the yeah.
1: museum.
0: Well, why, banned. Why,
1: don't you, why
0: don't you give us a little update on this. Dennis, Dennis, you're banned from the museum?
7: Yes, sir. There was a note put on the greeter's desk several years ago, which I have a copy of, saying Dennis Balthaser is not welcome at the UFO Museum, signed by Julie Schuster, the director of the museum. Don't ask me why, because I don't know why. I was with the museum from 96 to 98 as the, Roswell, as the, in, the investigator. I was on the board of directors. I was a 70-hour-a-week volunteer, 10 hours a day, 7 days a week, free, and I was told to sever my relationship. And I think the reason I was told to sever my relationship, because I didn't agree with everything they were telling people. Uh, They do not carry any books that uh, criticize Roswell or debunk anything to do with the Roswell incident. Uh, There's a hand-selected board of directors. There's been four or five different CPAs since she took over. Uh, you either play her game or you know hit the highway.
0: Now you're talking about CPAs. Are you intimating here we have some problem with the books over there?
7: I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, they bring in a tremendous amount of money. They get 150 200 thousand people a year come through the museum. It's a, it's a big money maker. And I don't know that they've ever been audited by the IRS or the Attorney General. Is this
0: as a nonprofit organization? Yes, sir. Okay, so they have to meet certain requirements that maybe are far tighter than just any company.
7: I would think so, yeah. All
0: right. Well, this is something I guess we can't prove here.
7: But I have no proof that uh, anything is not in order, but uh, I have a lot of doubt because I have I was involved for two years from 96 to 98, and I've not been in the museum since probably 2000, 2001.
0: Is this considered
7: a public place? Yes, sir.
0: Okay, so you're a member of the public. Don't you have a legal right to walk over there and say, "I am a member of the public. I have not done anything to cause I do, a but disturbance." I
7: won't, I won't give her the satisfaction of putting myself inside the museum as long as she's in charge of it. Wendy Connors and I did a oral history on her dad, on Walter Holt, several years ago. We taped him, uh, put him on videotape for about three hours. He's had uh, three different affidavits that I'm aware of, and we were told the day after he died that we could never release any of that information or discuss any conversations we ever had with her father.
0: And I want to ask you more about that in a moment. Dennis Balthaser is on the show. A co-host is Chris O'Brien. And if you have a comment or a question about the Paracast, write us. News at theparacast.com. Once again, that's news at theparacast.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online
13: in the air, water, or food and can't find potassium iodide? Go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com and choose Liquid Zeolite. Liquid zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system for fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning. Use liquid zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl. Yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid zeolite comes with a money back guarantee, but is only available at Restore Your RestoreYourHealthNow.com Learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com Or call 800-880-9976 Call 800-880-9976 today And learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite
14: are you tired of spending money for metal canning lids year after year then stop stop buying metal lids and get tatler reusable canning lids made of usda and fda approved food grade plastic tatler canning lids let you safely store emergency preparedness foods for years traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways that contain bpa but tatler canning lids are indefinitely reusable and guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning and contain no bpa tatler lids are dishwasher. Safe, perfect for standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars, and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders by phone at 877 747 2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's 1 747 2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com. Tatler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976.
4: GCN listeners, why have you been hearing so much about Dermatol, the all-natural all-purpose first aid spray? Because it's the must-have first aid product you need in your preparedness kit. Dermatol is made in America by Americans who know there's a more affordable, natural way to treat cuts, burns, bites, rashes, shingles, boils, and many other skin problems. Dermatol is gentle enough for diaper rash, powerful enough for bed sores, and harmless to the eyes and mouth. It's great for the whole family, even your family pets. Dermatol is antimicrobial, antifungal, anti viral and not diminished by freezing extreme heat or years in storage dermatol is an absolute must for any first aid or preparedness kit dermatol's soothing rapid restoration of injured skin is so effective it's guaranteed order yours today call 800-217-6677 800-217-6677 that's 800-217-6677 efficient economical effective spray it all with dermatol
6: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
2: This is the Paragast. You never know what's going to happen next.
0: We're back with Dennis Balfazer. The site is Truth Seeker Roswell. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm the PowerCast, and we're looking into reasons why it's possible Dennis Balthaser will give up UFO research. Okay, so tell our listeners, for those who haven't studied all the arcane Roswell lore, who was this guy you're talking about with a deathbed confession?
7: Walter Hall. Yes, sir. Walter Holt was a public relations officer at the base in 1947, worked directly under Colonel Blanchard, the base commander and head of the 509th Bomb Wing. And when the incident happened, Colonel Blanchard called him into the office and told him to write a press release. Walter questioned the press release because what it said was that we have in our possession a flying saucer from a ranch near Roswell. Uh, that went out in all the newspaper, most newspapers west of Chicago the afternoon of July 8, 1947. And the next morning, papers east of Chicago carried the story by General Ramey that it was nothing but a weather balloon. And for many, many years, Walter said all he knew was what he wrote in that press release. Wendy Connors and I happened to be, Wendy Connors was a historical uh, UFO researcher for many years from Albuquerque. And her and I were in the museum and heard Walter being interviewed by a French uh, television crew in which he said he saw a body. Uh, Wendy and I both went outside and said, did you hear what I heard? And we did, and we decided we better get him on, on tape. So we set up a meeting with Julie, his daughter. I made up a list of questions that we were going to ask Walter. That was approved by his daughter. And we interviewed him for about three and a half hours on videotape. And during that interview, he had a hard time remembering where he took basic training. He had a hard time with names. He couldn't remember a lot of things. And as it turned out, a few months later, he signed an affidavit saying that he did see the bodies at the hangar and a a lot of other things. And as it turned out, he did not write that affidavit. Don Schmidt wrote the affidavit, and Walter just signed it. Now, are time. we saying
0: basically here that maybe Walter signed something, but he wasn't, as they say, well enough to understand what he signed?
7: Well, his, his memory improved tremendously by the time that uh, Schmidt wrote to the affidavit that he signed. Which You know, uh, I think
0: of the movie Superman Returns. At the beginning, mm-hmm. there's a scene where the evil Lex Luthor is married to this millionaire woman who's died, by the way. The woman was played by Noel Neal, who played Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, in the 1950s TV series. Okay, so anyway, she dies just as she's about to sign this agreement, signing over all her money to Lex Luthor. So, of course, he takes his hand and completes the signature. So it's kind of like, almost like that, where you're basically implying here that maybe he signed something fully unaware of what it meant and what it contained.
7: I don't know that for a fact, but it seemed odd that during the interview that we did, he couldn't remember anything, and then he could remember everything, plus some after he read, or after he read and before he signed the affidavit. There's been a lot of questions about that affidavit. He had three of them, I think. One where Max Littell was the uh, the businessman involved with the founding, the three founders of the museum, and in that one he. had had said that he did not know anything other than that he wrote the press release. And that was a story that he shared with the public for for many years when I I knew Walter really well and and really liked him as a person. But uh, I don't know about the affidavits. I think there's been a lot of questions over the years since he passed away about the validity of them.
0: So basically you feel that maybe he knew nothing more than that press release. He did something under orders and that was it.
7: Well, he did admit uh, on, on... film with that French crew that uh, he had seen a body and then when we talked to him he said he had seen the body in the hangar from about 25-30 feet away partially covered with a tarp and it reminded him of about a 12 year old child he was 25-30 feet from it there were some stories circulating and maybe he went out to the debris field himself we don't know for sure if he did that or not I hate to to come on and and be negative uh, but you know I've got these concerns, and I wrote the editorial about it. Like I said before, I I thoroughly enjoy radio because it's it's one-on-one and and very little editing done. Most TV newscasters, when they do a story on UFOs, they will present the information, and they can't leave it alone. At the end of it, they'll have to put some amusing or sarcastic remark to, to take the validity away from it. And that's just part of the the overall problem that I have with this research.
0: Okay, but going back, of course, to this particular event, let's look at what we have left of Roswell because pretty much all the original witnesses are gone now, right? Right. Okay, so is there any more story to tell? How can we possibly get that information unless we find a warehouse 13 somewhere with the bodies and all the evidence of the spaceship?
7: well, i didn't I didn't attend anything this year downtown. I didn't go downtown at all during the four days of the festival, but I understand there was a guy at the museum who is a instructor at New Mexico Military Institute or Junior college here, Military College, and that he found some metal out at the crash site near Corona and is having it tested, and he believes that it may be part of the craft. There was an archaeological dig done several years ago with the University of New Mexico archaeological team, and I was out for the last day of that. And to my knowledge, they got about 64 bags of material, but none of none of it has ever been made public as far as having any any value as far as the crash. But this latest thing is, I'm trying to follow. I don't know the guy but I'm trying to follow up on on what he has found as far as this metal and and see what kind of testing he's doing.
0: Is that like the flexible metal that Jesse Marcel Jr. talks about?
7: Uh, He didn't say anything about it being flexible or or not being able to burn. They were doing some isotopic testing on it, I believe, at uh, Socorro, at the college out of Socorro, and uh, they said it was not containing any elements really known on Earth and uh, he has some more testing to do under the apparently.
1: Well, one thing that I remember in some of my talks with you, Dennis, is that you kind of go against the grain a little bit in terms of the Roswell case and that this has uh, caused some friction, I think, among other researchers. Why don't you give us a thumbnail sketch of of how you differ in your particular understanding of the case uh, versus, the, you know, for lack of a better term, the company lying on it. Because I know uh, that there are some departure points there.
7: I I think you, what you're talking about is I've always questioned Glenn Dennis, the mortician. Uh, he claims to have been involved in, in the nurse and, and all that at the hospital. Uh, none of the information that Glenn has ever talked about has been confirmed. Uh, the nurse has never been found. He claimed that... Uh, she was shipped out the next day and to Europe and killed in a plane crash, and there's no record of a plane crash. The, he sent Schmidt and Randall on a wild goose chase for five years with the wrong name and finally admitted that it was a wrong name. Uh, I think Glenn may have been involved because he was definitely the mortician at the at the base, but I don't know what extent he was involved and, and whether it was hearsay you know, that he heard from somebody else or, or what, but The red-headed captain that he talked about, uh, nobody has found that one. And there's just no validity to any of the story that he tells. James Bond Johnson took the pictures in uh, General Ramey's office in Fort Worth. I interviewed him before he passed away, and he had started to elaborate on his knowledge of the event. When I first talked to him, the only thing he knew was that he took the pictures of Jesse Marcel, the intelligence officer of General Ramey and Colonel Debose, when Marcel took the material to Roswell. But he embellished his story later on in life. Uh, Walter's affidavit, of course, has always been a, a problem, and uh, I think maybe that's some of the stuff you're talking about.
1: Yeah, so there's the, uh, the nurse question, I think, has been bannered about quite a bit uh, over the past few years. People questioning whether she was actually a real person, uh, or even, or some sort of, I don't know, figment of somebody's imagination. I I heard that uh, that part of Dennis's story is just not, not held up over time. And
7: uh, so, do you think? i will probably in trouble for saying this, but it's my opinion. You're not. I
0: mean, you're going to be getting in trouble for just about everything you've said so far. I think.
7: Been there and done that. That's the Paracast for you. <laughs> uh, I, I think maybe he had a relationship with this nurse, and he was married at the time, so I think maybe that has some bearing on it that he's never going to admit to anything that, that will jeopardize him. Glenn is not in good shape. He's in a nursing home, I think, and uh, I know he quit doing interviews several years ago. He had a form of Alzheimer's, and, and, of course, he's getting up in years. He's up in his 80s now, and uh, one of the few remaining living witnesses to the to the event.
0: I'll tell you what we'll get so much more of this coming up. Dennis Balfazer on the Paracast. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host this is Chris O'Brien, and you're in the Paracast. <laughs>
3: Fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy 800 686 2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800 686 2237. That's 800 686 2237.
2: We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about The Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes.
0: We're back in the second hour of the PowerCast with Gene and Chris talking to Dennis Balthaser, looking into the sad state of UFO research, the state of Roswell research. So what else is there about Roswell that we have to question to say, you know what, this doesn't pass muster. Let's set it aside.
7: Well, you know, 64 years and it hasn't completely gone away. Uh, we've been given four excuses over the last 64 years. And if I live long enough, I'm sure there'll be another one. My personal theory on Roswell is, and this is only my personal theory, whatever was recovered from the debris field up at Corona, 64 years later, I don't believe they know what they have by meaning that what they found was pieces. They didn't find an intact craft. So all those pieces have to be put together by engineers somehow. So I don't, I don't know that they know what they have, where they were from, what their motive was, the propulsion system, the guidance system, things like that. And until they get that information sorted out, I don't believe our military or our government will admit it happened or know anything about it. Because until they get the military advantage out of having that, and there would be a definite advantage... I don't think they'll go public with anything. I think they'll keep denying it. The other problem is who in our government is going to admit that they've been lying to us for 64 years because that's going to open up a whole other can of worms for a whole lot of other things unrelated to UFOs that we've been lied to about. And that continues to this day with the current government we have. It's just a, a way of life. And at lectures, many time I ask young people to start asking questions and demand answers because just accepting what they say doesn't cut it. We need more information.
0: Well, I want to ask you also another thing about this. What about this new book out on Area 51, where it's mostly focusing on the top secret weapons and aircraft research they did there from Annie Jacobson, but there is yet another Roswell story.
7: In Area 51? Yeah. Uh, I was up there, oh, I don't know, four or five years ago. I did a couple lectures at Rachel, the little alien in there, and got to go out to both the gates and harass the guards a little bit. The uh, wife and I were driving down that 13-mile dirt road, and I told her, I said, watch the hills, because sooner or later, we're going to see a Jeep or a pickup truck with the guards. And sure enough, we came around a sand dune, and Got to the entrance, and they were sitting up there in a sand dune with the pickup truck with binoculars on us and listening to what we were saying. It is the biggest, one of the biggest, if not the biggest base we have. It's the most secretive base we have, and I had read a lot of books and seen a lot of documentaries on Area 51, and I can assure you that standing there at the gate with two guards sitting in a pickup with binoculars on you is a difference, a lot different than reading a book or seeing a documentary. It brings it all pretty well to life. And then we went to the other gate, which is a, a double drop-down gate and has a guard shack there that's visible. The one, the 13-mile road doesn't have a guard shack. It's quarter-mile past there. If you get to it, you're in trouble because you're already on the property. But uh, Area 51 to me is a Catch-22. It's a vitally needed facility to do all our technology for new aircraft and different types of research. But if any of the rumors about aliens or UFO craft being housed there, I think I'd like to know that. Maybe not for myself, but for my kids or grandkids to know what their future is. And I don't know that that's ever going to be made public.
1: What do you think of this Annie Jacobson's uh, assertion that Roswell was a secret Soviet uh, psyops program uh, designed by Joseph Mengele?
7: She has some factual information about Area 51. She has a lot of wrong information about Roswell, and I've not read the book, but I've I've seen it critiqued and uh, some of the comments that have been made about it. I think she's totally off base as far as Roswell goes.
1: Do you think she threw that in there just to sell books?
7: Possibly. Possibly.
1: Reminds me of Body snatches in the Desert, uh, the book that Nick Redfern came out with a few years ago.
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's 2,000, over 2,000 websites on Roswell. And probably 95% of the people that have those websites have never been here. They never interviewed a witness. They don't know where the crash sites are. It's second- and third-hand research, and and I spent a whole lot of time on the Internet putting out fires for people that uh, put out bogus information. Bergilia, I think is his name, Tony Anthony Bergilia. he put out some stuff about the Foster Ranch that was totally wrong. Uh, I had talked to the BLM people here, and that ranch uh, crash site is BLM property. And uh, they had done an environmental impact study several years ago, and I went out to get a copy of it. And in that report, it said to be careful because it's known to have aliens out there. And this was signed off by about nine people at the BLM Bureau of Land Management Office. Well, that got my attention, and I said, where did this information come from? Oh, well, that's a joke. That's not supposed to be in there. It won't be in the final copy. I said, good, I want a copy of the final copy. So sure enough, they called me when they revised it, and I got a copy of it and read it, and most of the mundane stuff was taken out of it, but there was a note in there that they will not permit any direct drilling or any building on top of that site, which to me is a step in the right direction because you have a federal agency that is protecting that property in a way, meaning that there may be a good possibility that's validity to it. So I was was fairly happy with how that turned out.
0: Yes, but just prohibiting drilling and whatever, that doesn't prove what really happened, does it?
7: No, but they're protecting it. They're not going to allow any drilling, direct drilling. Okay, you know. so
0: the other question is, would it be environmental concerns? I mean, we're going to look at the devil's advocate questions here.
7: No, they they did that, and they did state in there because it was the alleged site of the 1947 crash. And they used the word alleged, which I can buy, because that's what we have is an alleged incident. And I'm not the type of researcher that goes and bangs these, fist on the desk and says, by God, this is what happened, because I don't know that. All we know is what we've been told over the last 64 years. A lot of it is wrong. A lot of it we believe is true, and I've interviewed 100, 150 first- and second-hand witnesses in that time, and they have no reason to make up the story about what took place. They have no reason they didn't know each other when it happened. uh, You're talking ranches out here that are 10, 15 miles apart. The only time they see each other is when they're doing cattle or sheep. And uh, they have no reason to make this story up.
0: Now, what about just remembering things and then having that memory colored, clouded by cultural events? You know, we all think about aliens and grays and they remember maybe distantly this newspaper headline and maybe they're memories have filled in a few details that weren't there
7: i don't buy the memory loss thing that's that's an air force excuse uh you're talking a rancher who knew what weather balloons were he he recovered them and they had a tag on them where to turn them in so he'd get a reward and it was a small financial reward which to a rancher was a lot of money back in 1947 so he knew what weather balloons were and the stuff that he found, he wasn't aware of what it was, and that's why he came to town to the sheriff. The sheriff didn't know what it was, contacted the military, and Jesse Marcel, the intelligence officer, got involved. So, I don't buy the memory loss thing. These people were credible people. I mean, you have the sheriff of Travis County, you have the rancher, you have uh, Walter Holt, who was is questionable, but he was there. He wrote the press release. You have Colonel Debose. You have all these people that have been interviewed over the years, who are creditable people.
0: You know, the other question I guess we'd ask is: All right, with Roswell, we have this event that happened. Then we have the cover story on all this stuff, but maybe there are other possible non extraterrestrial solutions, and we'll ask about that in a moment. Dennis Ballfazer is joining us. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Oh!
15: Have you been sitting on a few great domain name ideas but haven't locked them in for yourself? Good. Now you can buy them through the number one domain name registrar, Namecheap.com, as voted by the top tech blog Lifehacker. Just like the name says, you can buy domains cheap, as low as 2 dollars And every new domain comes with WhoisGuard, our special privacy service, free for the first year. Now that you know, it's time to grab those domain names before someone else does. Namecheap.com. Go now. Namecheap.com.
3: Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237.
16: Local Army-Navy surplus stores are hard to find these days, but not military-issue supplies. They're right here online at mainmilitary.com. That's right, just like the state, M-A-I-N-E, military.com. We have everything for true total preparedness. MaineMilitary.com is not a typical website. It has much more than your old surplus store. Quality military-issue survival gear like canteens, mess kits, utensils, gas masks, filters, and chemical suits, magnesium fire-starting tools, strike anywhere, waterproof, and storm matches, first aid kits, splints, tourniquets, parachute 550 cord, military Manuals, sandbags by the bail, and a huge Molly assortment of vests and pouches for every need. Call 207 989 6783. 207 989 6783. Or visit mainmilitary.com. That's M A I N E military.com. The main name in military supply.
11: If you drive for a living, you don't get paid to stop or wait in line. Keep your wheels moving with PrePass. Bypass way stations, fly-by port of entry facilities, stay moving at highway speed, while the guy without PrePass waits in line. Save time, save money. Call 888-401-PASS to try PrePass free. That's 888-401-PASS.
12: What's cooking at PrizeKitchen.com? Plenty. Low prices on your favorite kitchen brand appliances, Vitamix blenders, Omega juicers, reverse osmosis systems, and more. Plus, free shipping on it all. PrizeKitchen.com gives your family the tools for a healthy lifestyle by eating more fruits and veggies and drinking pure water. Go to PrizeKitchen.com. Great selection. Low prices. Free shipping. PrizeKitchen.com. We help make healthy lifestyles convenient.
6: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
2: We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes.
0: We're back with Chris O'Brien, the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. We're talking to Dennis Balfazer. We're seeking the truth about Roswell. Okay, so what about some kind of secret experiment that went bad. And obviously because of security concerns, national security, whatever, they didn't tell the people over at the military base at Roswell.
7: Well, the event happened 64 years ago, and things were a lot different then than they are today. We just come out of the Second World War. There was a lot of up here in in the country. I think the key is that the people back then trusted and respected the government. The story died three days after it happened. After General Ramey came out and said it was a weather balloon, less than 12 hours after Walter Hall had said that we had captured and had in our possession a flying saucer, the public bought that, and they could have brought that craft down the middle of Main Street in Roswell down to the base, and nobody would have given it a second thought because almost daily we had plane crashes out here in the desert, and they would load them on a low boy and a trailer and, and take them downtown, and and uh, nobody thought anything about it. So it wasn't anything that would get anybody's attention, and the people trusted and respected the government. That's not true today. If you look at the, the polls that are taken about our congressman and our president and things like that, those numbers are pretty low. In fact, one of the polls I've seen, a Roper poll, where 60-some percent believe that the government is covering up UFOs and 70% think they know more about it than they're letting us know, those are higher percentages than politicians get elected by. And I think it's time that the people in Washington, the military, and I'm not talking all military. I have a lot of respect for the military, having been in myself. But there are a few in our military and some higher-ups in Washington that are keeping the truth from us on not just UFOs but other things as well.
1: Yeah, you know, I have um, an interesting story that uh, is breaking uh, from the open minds of uh, folks here uh, in, in the Phoenix area. Alejandro Rojas uh, released a story yesterday with quite a uh, sensational headline. It says, test confirms Roswell debris is not from Earth. Are you aware of this testing process that has uh, been underway with Frank Kimbler, who is a teacher at the New Mexico Military Institute there in Roswell, and uh, his uh, his – that's the one I was just talking about. Yeah, yeah, he's come out with a new uh, a new release uh, with quite a bit of scientific information in here. It's an interesting article that does suggest that perhaps that some of the debris that they were able to gather does test out as being something unusual, um, similar to some tests that I think uh, uh, Peter Storck did on a supposed metal sample, I think from Brazil. So, I have mean- you seen this uh, this?
7: I saw the article yesterday. I saw the article yesterday on the internet, and if you go read that, I think there's a, a note somewhere where the professor or somebody at the university refused to test, do isotopic testing, and then he went and talked to someone else, and I don't know if they did any testing or not, but they they felt like it was a different type of metal, and um, it didn't say anything about being flexible or that you could bend it or anything like that. But uh, that's going to be interesting to watch to see. And I have always thought that there probably is still metal at the crash site, even though it was vacuumed pretty well by the military when it happened. More than one time, they were out there to clean it up. But we have a lot of voids here in New Mexico, and uh, you have varmints and different animals that dig holes, and some of that stuff could have gone down in there. When they did the architectural dig a couple of years ago, they crossed what looked like the path that this thing took when it hit the ground and went down about two or three feet, and there was a difference in the strata of the, the earth there, the the soil, which over a period of 50, 60 years, with the, the wind we have and the dust and sandstorms, would probably cover up whatever was there. And I believe he found this stuff in what he called an anthill or something like that.
1: Right. Some of the debris was actually uh, surprisingly close to the surface.
7: It'd be interesting to follow to think. see what he, what he comes up with.
0: Yeah. Chris, There are a load of related questions from our listeners. You want to cover a few of them?
1: Okay, uh, I will. Um, the first one comes from one of our moderators who tends to be on the skeptical side of things, and uh, Ang- Angelo uh, is, a, is quite a uh, thinker. He asks good questions, and his question for you, Dennis, is, have you ever lied about your credentials? <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> he says, I ask this only half seriously. Okay, uh, that we just needed to get that one out of the way.
7: There are, there okay, are certain, says, certain people that have. And uh, when I say civil engineering background, I don't say I'm a civil engineer. I was a civil engineering right. technician. I did, a, I did a quality control and quality assurance and materials that we used to build highways and bridges. I went to Korea in 1971 to inspect structural steel for a bridge over Lake Austin and I went to South Africa three times in 91 and 92 to inspect steel for a bridge over the Houston Ship Channel. So I'm careful in that I don't say I was a civil engineer. I say I worked in civil engineering.
1: Right, but uh, some people do have, uh, I think, some <clears throat> egoic problems in the field and they tend to Yep. Uh, feel a need for some reason to embellish their credentials or their educational background. Of course, we are going through a bit of a controversy I've, now I've with heard, uh, the, quite a well-known.
7: I've, I've heard Stanton Friedman refer to as Dr. Friedman, and he corrects them real quick because he's got a bachelor's and a master's right. in physics.
0: You know, I kind of wonder, though, you know, one of the things here, I guess, that people are concerned about is why don't we question people who claim to have advanced degrees? But you have to think about it. Millions and millions of people have bachelor's degrees, master's degrees. Quite a few have doctorates. It doesn't guarantee that you're smart. It guarantees right. that you passed the test. That's but right. But <laughs> that may be one of the reasons why people don't question it. They say, well, he says he
7: has a degree. Big deal. Yeah, a lot of them with master's have no common sense. <laughs>
1: yeah, they don't give degrees for that, and that's kind of something you have to have or you don't. I really don't.
7: need to start <laughs> telling you what I think, I guess.
1: <laughs> you think?
7: <laughs> I, I love you guys because you 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 really deal and get in in deep with some of this stuff. But and again, I, I I apologize if I'm coming across wrong. But uh you know, I've got some some really deep feelings about some of this stuff.
0: Well, we want you to say what you're going to say. Let it all hang out. I mean, we've had a lot of areas here. That's
12: where that's if why we're you're here. Go, sure, <laughs>
0: if we're going to get to the bottom of these mysteries. We have to let it all hang out. You know, like you're talking about Roswell, and a lot of people say, well, you know what, Roswell has done that, been there, all that. We shouldn't talk about it. But the same rumors, the same incorrect information gets repeated year after year. And if you don't bring it back and try to do a bit of a reality check, it's just going to go on and go on. And with all those websites, it gets worse. Once a rumor gets out there, once a rumor spreads—
7: Gene, you've you had me on before. You know how I am. And Chris, you and I have done conferences together, so we know each other well. And I think, you know, to me, I have that quote on my website, always, always telling the truth, and he's never having to remember anything. And I've tried to live with that.
8: Yeah. Well, some <laughs> yeah, people
7: a, say I
0: remember nothing. <laughs> some people say I don't remember anything anymore anyway, that, you know, I'm too old for this. I'm really as old as the hills. Brad Steiger says, I was here before the dinosaurs ruled the earth. We're talking to Dennis Balfazer. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast.
9: Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born. Rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S.com. Attack, attack of the Rockoid. A novel in the grand science fiction tradition.
17: Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by Le Sig. 30- day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lecig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lecig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker
15: is your church school or organization desperately looking for new fundraising ideas tired of the same old candles or candy taking orders inventory and low profits well here's great news 10x fundraising guarantees 10 times traditional profits with zero hassle for an amazing free bonus free shipping and an extra 10 percent off enter gcn when you go to 10x fundraising.com that's the number 10 the letter x fundraising.com or call 800-480-8797 visit 10x fundraising for 10 times a profit today Will you survive
16: during the economic collapse or another deadly natural disaster? Your key to survival lies here at hardshoot.com. A former member of U.S. Special Operations knows what you'll need to survive in these hard times. Our online store arms you with extreme survival kits, self-heating food reserves, and more. For a limited time with any purchase, you'll also receive a three-day survival kit absolutely free. Prepare now. The online store, www.hardshoot.com. www.hardshoot.com.
13: The food storage industry leader has done it again. Introducing FDG Clubs and Survival Bucks from the Freeze-Dry Guy. For over 39 years, the Freeze-Dry Guy has served various government agencies and the private sector with the finest in storable foods and emergency rations. If you've wanted to build emergency food supplies but couldn't afford it, now you can. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on Products, and look for the Freeze-Dry Guy Clubs to pay as you go. Now you can build food storage without going into debt. Choose from a payment range of $95 to $450 per month. Our clubs work with everyone's budget. Plus, when you join Freeze Dry Guy Clubs, you'll get additional rewards. For example, this month, get 10% back in survival bucks on all purchases in the Freeze Dry Guy product line, plus free shipping within the lower 48 states on any order amount. Hurry, go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. The Freeze Dry Guy, the best you can buy.
6: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here.
10: Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
0: Listener questions front and center on the PowerCast with Gene and Chris. Dennis Ballfaser is a guest. We have some more questions, I know, from our forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: Chris? Yeah. Um, Angelo goes on to, uh, you know, again, he is, he is rather skeptical, a very grounded guy. And his uh, second question, other than the kind of semi-humorous first question, is about Roswell. He says, I find the Project Mogul explanation to be plausible and satisfactory. Why would anyone not? That's kind of a softball question for you, Dennis, but uh, (laughs) will you want to handle it?
7: They should have probably stayed with the Mogul story because people were starting to believe that. And then they came out with this asinine report that it was anthropomorphic crash test dummies and a Mogul balloon that was used to check the Russians to see if they were doing nuclear testing. Now, on the latter the Russians didn't do any nuclear testing until 1949, two years after the incident. On the anthropomorphic crash test dummies, they weren't used till 1953, six years after the incident happened. As for the Mogul balloon, most critics and debunkers talk about flight number four. Flight number four was cancelled because of weather, and when it was cancelled, that meant that the balloon was filled with helium and had to be released, but all the equipment was taken off of it. When the pictures were taken in General Ramey's office, there is not one piece of equipment laying there. It's a piece of weather balloon. And one of the things I discovered on that one of those pictures with General Ramey and Colonel DeBose, if you look closely at the picture, and I don't look for pretty faces when I look at a picture, if you look closely at that picture, back against the wall by the chair is an unopened package, which is probably some of the debris that Jesse Marcel, Major Marcel, brought to Fort Worth from Roswell. Secondly, the brown paper laying on the floor that the weather balloon is laying on is off of a new roll of paper. There are no creases in it, meaning that if anything was wrapped in it, there would have been wrinkles in the paper. It looks like butcher's paper. It's probably a yard wide. It's brown paper. But that is off of a brand new roll. So the whole picture was a stage picture. What Marcel took to Fort Worth was not shown in the picture. None of the equipment from a mogul balloon, the son buoys, the radar, or anything, are in the picture. So where was that stuff when the pictures were taken, if it was a mogul balloon? But the main thing that David Rudiak has done a lot of research on is the fact that that flight, number four, was canceled. We have the records from nearly all, if not all, of the mogul balloon flights, launched from Almagorda, White Sands, and Roswell. That balloon would have taken over a month to get to the crash site, and it wasn't anywhere close.
1: Yeah, good uh, good answer on that. Uh, how about uh, Ron Regehr's work on the, actually sussing out the writing on the memo in Ramey's hand? Are you familiar with that work?
7: Yeah, the memo is probably, we're guessing a teletype probably, but I don't know if it's from Washington to Ramey or if it's from Ramey to washington but he was definitely not aware that the writing the print on that piece of paper was facing the camera and david rudy again and several others but david mainly has done some research on that they've enhanced the the picture and, and where you can basically read what's on there and the words victims of the wreck are very clear there's about seven lines of type writing David's still working on that, and I think as we get better equipment, we'll get to be able to look uh, more closely at what's written there. It's vague. Uh, it takes some imagination, but the word victims is only six words in the English language that have those letters, victims, violin, virgin, and three others. Victims is the only one that really fits with that. And as some mentioned about a, a weather balloon cover story. So that may be a smoking gun if we can ever get better uh, analysis of the, the actual document.
1: Okay, I have another question from Angelo. If you needed to convince someone that UFOs are not something that humans have created, which case would you put forth? Keep in mind so far, nothing I've seen has convinced me that UFOs are anything but misidentified human aircraft or a natural phenomenon. And also please keep in mind that despite my skepticism, I'm from the Carl Sagan type of school, in case you're wondering, I am open-minded. I just don't jump to the conclusion of aliens or other paranormal explanations. And before you answer that, I want to mention these uh, these so-called fireball videos that have been shown here over the past week. I think one was from Mexico. The other was from uh, somewhere down south. And I'm telling you, people, I mean, all you have to do is look at that thing and see that it's a an airliner or some sort of four-engine jet uh, or two-engine jet possibly headed away from you to the west into the setting sun. To me, it's just so ridiculously obvious that these are high-flying uh, planes that are just uh, at an oblique angle to the eye. So so what what do you need to convince somebody that UFOs are not something that we've created? What Which case would you put forth?
7: That's a good question. Ninety to ninety-five percent of what people see are explainable. They're airplanes, they're balloons, they're clouds, they're planets things like that, many of them man-made. However, the other 5% is what we're interested in. But with the Hubble telescope and with what we know about the universe, which is very little, I cannot be egotistical enough to think that we're the only thing in this universe. I, I have nothing I can give you to prove what I'm saying, but I'm a Christian, which makes surprises a lot of people. And I think if you believe that God created everything, that's the end of the story. That's everything. And it doesn't say anything in the Bible that we're the only thing he created. So I go with that as far as my Christianity. But I just cannot make myself believe that we, if we're the only thing God created, I think he screwed up. Because he could have done a lot better than what he's done with us humans. We're the only species (laughs) on the planet that can't get along with each other whether it be by race or boundaries or nationalities or whatever. And a lot of times I'm asked, why don't these aliens communicate with us? And my response is, why would they want to? We have nothing to offer them. I don't go out in the backyard and talk to insects. And if they can get here from wherever they're from, they have technology and knowledge that we can't even comprehend. I think it's been going on for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. I know I've seen and have written articles about uh, tapestries and artwork from the 13th and 14th century where the artists depict what appears to be UFOs in their artwork. So this is not something new. It's not just Roswell. It's been around for for much longer than Roswell. And I think they may be watching us to see that we don't self-destruct or as far as roswell we did the we tested the atomic bomb 100 miles south of roswell they may have been sitting out there and wondering what are these clowns up to we don't want this stuff out here so you know i I just can't make myself i can't convince myself that we're the only thing there is
1: well i think if anything uh human beings are are detrimental to this wonderful biodiversity that we have on this planet and possibly the uh the visitors are more interested in the planet and the biodiversity than they are in us because we're sure. the single most detrimental thing to that biodiversity.
7: Right. I agree with that. In
1: 1277 AD, the Vatican uh I guess at the behest of Thomas Aquinas uh met a group of scholars and they came up with the Many Worlds Edict, which stated very early on that there was no real limit to the creative power of of God, if you will, or the Creator, and that all possibilities fell within that creative process. Now, not many people know this, but it 's almost like the at least the Roman Catholic Church was preparing itself and its congregation uh, for the possibility of discovering other life forms uh, out there, and of course, at that point we pretty much thought the world was flat we didn't know about the new world so it seems like some of the religious uh you brought up your your christian faith it seems like there has been some movement down through the ages to prepare you know the the great unwashed masses for something uh akin to discovering other intelligent life so, so let me prepare the unwashed masses for this
0: guest is Dennis Balfazer. And next week, neighbors, you'll hear from the one and the only Don Ecker. I'm Gene Steinberg, Chris O'Brien's the co-host. You're in The (laughs)
1: Paracast.
8: The number one secret to having great health and long life is having high levels of glutathione. This master antioxidant is required by your body to stop free radicals, keep cells young, remove chemical and heavy metal toxins, support immunity, support liver functions, stop inflammation, and much more. The results of optimal levels of glutathione in your body are more mental and physical energy, stronger immune system, greater endurance, and more. Do you know the number one secret superfood that helps increase your glutathione levels by 64% or more? It's unheated whey protein powder from grass-fed cows. This health food is amazing in its ability to do so much for virtually everyone. Introducing One World Whey, an industry-first unheated whey protein powder from grass-fed cows. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWhey.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com.
14: Are you tired of spending money for metal canning lids year after year? Then stop! Stop buying metal lids and get Tattler Reusable Canning Lids. Made of USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, Tatler Canning Lids let you safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways that contain BPA. But Tatler Canning Lids are indefinitely reusable and guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning and contain no BPA. Tatler Lids are dishwasher-safe, perfect for standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars and are proudly made in the usa place orders by phone at 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com that's one 747 2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com that's reusablecanninglids.com tatler reusable canning lids the original since 1976
18: you've heard great things about berkey You've been thinking of getting a Berkey water purification system, but for some reason, you haven't made your purchase just yet. Okay, here's one more reason to buy the best water purification system you can buy now. The Berkey Guy at GoBerkey.com is giving away free Pelican flashlights. Yes, with every purchase of any Berkey water purification system from the Berkey Guy at GoBerkey.com, you'll receive a free Pelican 2360 LED flashlight, a $39 value. But it won't last long. This offer ends today. Hurry, call 877-886-3653, 877-886-3653, or shop online at goberkey.com. That's go, B-E-R-K-E-Y.com. No coupon code necessary. A free Pelican flashlight is yours with every purchase of any Berkey water purification system only at goberkey.com or by calling 877-886-3653. Hurry, offer ends today. America's number one source for independent talk radio for
6: over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is
5: Kurt Seven, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the
0: Paracast. We're back with Dennis Ballfaser, the truth seeker at Roswell. The co host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg.
1: You're in the PowerCast, Chris, you were continuing that discussion? Well, I just wanted to point out that uh, there have been uh, creative thinkers uh, down through the ages that have looked at the possibility of discovering intelligent life and, and how that would impact people's religious faith. And Thomas Aquinas, of course, was responsible for bringing uh, the Aristotelian. Logical, sort of scientific worldview into uh, the Roman Catholic Church. And I think that the, the churches and belief, I think, are going to play a very important part in any sort of disclosure process if and when something as <laughs> pipe dreamish as that takes place. But I'm going to continue well, now with another question from Angelo. Well, and a uh, I'm, it's I'm one.
7: Hang on a minute. I'm glad you brought up the Vatican because most people don't realize the Vatican has the largest UFO library in the world. They also have uh, three gigantic telescopes, one in Arizona, one at the Vatican, and another one. Human minds are pretty limited. And, you know, the Vatican came out here a couple of years ago, one of the Monsignors, saying that he definitely believes that life does exist out there somewhere. And most scientists, when they talk about life, in the universe, they say it doesn't exist as life as we know it. Someone tell me where in the rule book does it have to be life as we know it? They may crawl on their stomach and breathe sulfuric acid, for all I know, uh, but again, I think we're limited by the human mind. The knowledge that we have, we don't basically accept anything that we're not familiar with, and we need verification on anything we do, and that's where science comes in. But to say that you know life as we know it, I think that's limiting it.
1: I agree. Well, uh, I agree totally on that. Uh, again, I think that it's going to come from a grassroots uh, up, up, upswelling of interest and in um, demanding answers from uh, government. I think that uh, just to look at the dis- the potential disclosure uh, process, that. I think all these countries uh, around the world that are slowly releasing UFO documents are are doing so to take the heat off the U.S. Because I, I think uh, private industry, aerospace, obviously the Department of Defense is sitting on some information. I don't think they know the answers personally. I, I seriously doubt. I think they're more confused than we are because they know more.
7: Well, I, think but, uh, aid, sort of I think foreign any sort. I think foreign has a lot to do with it. I think we we give so many countries financial assistance that if they come up with something on UFOs we can put a clamp on them and say look you know we don't need to give you money anymore if you go public or something I think I think we have a control over what is released and I think that's that's pretty pretty big
1: yeah they're not releasing the good stuff I I would assume I I think that there is though a controlled release going on like I said my personal uh, hunch is that it's being done to take the heat off the U S but yeah. again, I think disclosure is a pipe dream. Uh, I've always said this. I think that, uh, even if they did disclose, you know, in a upfront manner, how would you believe them? They've been lying for 64 years. I mean, how do you believe a habitual liar? I mean, it's virtually impossible. So it's like looking at the work of a, of an investigator who embellishes his credentials. It calls all his work into question. There may be some wonderful things in there, but you're yeah. going to have to take it with a block of salt. So right. the same goes for the government and, and disclosure. Besides, why believe the government anyway?
0: Nobody believes the government.
7: <laughs> I do want to mention, yeah. uh, and, and I did nothing but complain about documentaries and things like that a while ago, but the History Channel contacted me, and they're going to be here August 3rd to do some filming, and I'm going to give it another shot. Uh, they got a, a show coming up. Uh, I don't know when it'll air, but... Uh, They've asked to to do an interview with me, and I have a lecture coming up in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, the end of August, 27th August, for uh, myself. I'm going to be the keynote speaker, I understand, and Grant Cameron, Debbie Ziegelmeyer, Art Campbell, Margie Kay, and Chuck Zakowski are going to be on that same venue, and that's uh, at the Unity Temple in the Plaza in Kansas City, Missouri, on August 27th.
1: So you're still in the saddle, though. You're still uh, out there doing the hard work and slogging away. That's, that's, that's good. You're not totally uh, dis- disenchanted.
7: Well, my webmaster and my wife have been asking me for years to write a book, and I probably could take all my editorials. I've got some 60 editorials I've written that have been going out at UFO Magazine and 31 websites. And I could probably combine them and make a book out of it. I just never have got around to doing it.
0: Well, if you do, I do know of a great print-on-demand publishing company right here in Arizona. and all right. They even fulfill the orders for you. You don't have to carry stock. Oh. So we can discuss that offline. But I'm glad you're optimistic. You know, I kind of think that a lot of us have felt from one time or another to give this thing all up. But I think the other question before Chris goes back to our listener questions is, all right, we're looking at UFOs as a singular phenomenon, but by excluding other kinds of presentations at these events, these conventions, whatever, are we also saying that there can be no connection between the UFOs and so-called other paranormal events?
7: I don't believe that a card reader is going to have any bearing on whether UFOs exist or not. I don't think, uh, I, I just can't, I can't get into it. Uh, there's no scientific backing for it. Chamas, uh, card readers, psychics.
1: So the channelers, uh, so the channelers uh, don't have uh, a leg to stand on. They can't uh, get some ascended master to give us all the secrets of the universe, then, huh? Yeah. I'm not
7: saying that. <laughs> I'm not saying that they're not valid. That they don't have some purpose. But I just personally cannot put them on the same venue with. The Stanton Friedman's, the John Greenwell Juniors, the Travis Waltons, and things like that. It's just, it's a personal thing.
0: What about UFO abductions?
7: Uh, two of them that I put a lot of confidence, of course, is Travis. I met him several times and, and convinced that Travis Walton experienced something. Betty and Barney Hill, I know Kathleen, uh, the niece of Betty Hill. Watson, and think, yeah. I think that was a a valid case there, Uh, but those probably are two of the only ones that I'm familiar with that I put a lot of confidence in. I think some of these people are experiencing something. I don't know if they're dreaming or if they're hallucinating, but uh, those two, particularly Travis, I've I've had many, many conversations with Travis Walton, and you can just look at that man's face and know that he experienced something. Uh, I can't say that he had an abduction. I don't know that. But he's passed a lie detector test, and he's just a type of person that, to me, is believable.
1: Yeah. Well, here, here's a question, uh, the last one from Angelo, uh, one, again, one of our skeptics. And it's a question that I get all the time, and so I'm going to ask it of you. A question that I like to hear asked of every UFO researcher is, so many cameras, so few good images, why are there no good daytime UFO videos or photos? My guess in the day, things are less likely to be misidentified, which I think accounts for the vast majority of UFO reports. What are your thoughts on this, Dennis? Why don't we have more good quality images? We do have some, but uh, how come with all these camcorders out there, with all these uh, uh, video-capable phones, why don't we have uh, more visual evidence from daytime?
7: That's a great question. Uh, You know, a lot of times you get, A picture or you get a video and it's blurry it's not a clear shot Uh, many times there's no reference to anything as far as scale size. I don't know that I can answer the question because I think it's a valid question. Uh, The Chicago thing at O'Hare Airport was one that uh, I was interested in where this thing appeared over the O'Hare Airport and then shot up and punched a hole in the cloud and was gone. It was a lot of people shut up over that and told not to talk about it. Uh, The Phoenix Lights, uh, years ago, where hundreds, maybe thousands of people did videotape something. Uh, I'm afraid I don't know, I don't have an answer for for why there's not a good image uh, taken somewhere.
1: Well, hopefully this will change and we'll get some incredible footage from somebody's cell phone here in the not-too-distant future. Cell phone uh, footage is very difficult to fabricate, and uh, and so I'm looking forward to the day when we do have uh, a, a, a scenario where our ability to capture data visually overwhelms the mystery. I think that.
7: What's the computer, go ahead. there's a computer program too that can can take things and make almost anything out of it. Uh, I can't recall the name of it, but uh, you know you got to really look at photographs. Uh, Bruce Maccabee does a lot of good work on on photographs and analysis of them. Uh, there was a guy in Arizona I knew one time that did some, uh, but we just don't have a good clear photograph of anything.
0: We'll get into to more me, of those discussions. We'll get into more of those discussions in a moment. Dennis Paulthier joining us. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in. The Paracast.
3: Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right. Every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. Welcome
2: back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: The final hour of the Paracast with Gene and Chris talking to Dennis Balfazer. Dennis, where's your website?
7: www.truthseeker at Roswell. That's all one word, and the word AT at truthseeker
0: TruthSecretRoswell.com. If you click on Dennis Balfazer's name over at ThePowerCast.com, you go there. Magically, we beam you up.
7: By the way, you guys are doing a really good job when pronouncing (laughs) Balfazer.
1: Okay, good. It's important to get the guest name right. 49 (laughs) years in radio. (laughs)
7: Well, I have to carry cards so I know how to spell it. Well, we
1: have a bunch of questions here, uh, several of which you've already answered. There's a question about um, Annie Jacobson's new book about Area 51. There's uh, some. There's a question about black projects possibly being misidentified as UFOs. I, I've always said that if I was driving in the desert back in 1980 and a stealth fighter flew over and I had my CD player on, I couldn't hear uh, the jet engines, I, I would have reported a UFO because they, they just... We're very spooky-looking. They still are today, spooky-looking, but imagine not being aware of their existence and have one fly over you. How many sightings do you think could be attributed to potential black project-type craft?
7: Well, oh, I think there's a lot, particularly in the western United States, with White Sands, Area 51, Edwards Air Force Base. We have a lot of room out here to play. You know, we've seen F-16s and F-18s flying down the deck out here in the desert and there's just a whole lot of room to do what they want to do out here with, with anything new. And, you know, the, the B-2 bomber, the, the old F-117 stealth, which is no longer in service, at certain angles those things look almost exactly like a UFO. So misinterpreting what is being seen goes back to the 90% that is explainable, and I think a lot of what people see it's misidentified, and I think it's probably our own stuff, most of it.
1: Yeah, I, I would uh, definitely agree with my experience in Colorado, uh, right next to a low-flight military training area, <laughs> uh, yeah. low-altitude training area. Uh, there are, Who knows what we have in the pipeline that's you know, 10, 15, even possibly 20 years away from being disclosed publicly. That raises the other question about Roswell, Chris and Dennis,
0: and that is... If we recovered an alien aircraft in 1947, and granted we didn't have the technology then to maybe understand what a civilization hundreds or thousands of years ahead of us might do, are there any examples of that alien technology anywhere? And I guess we can set aside Philip Corso, or should we set aside Philip Corso?
7: I knew Philip Corso. I met him here at Roswell three times, really liked the guy as a person, little bitty guy a uh, heck of a personality. I read the book day after Roswell and couldn't, turn, couldn't put it down. I went page after page after page. But when you get to the back of the book, there is not one reference. Now, Bill Burns of UFO Magazine uh, wrote part of the book. We don't know how much. Uh, yeah, we do. Bill, Bill had some, some ideas that to me made a lot of sense. But the fact that he had no references bothered me. And again, I'm going back to confirmation and validity of this information. So he mentioned uh, microchips as being coming from the Roswell craft, one of the things. Lasers, microchips, uh, night vision, uh, things like that. Well, we know microchips were invented by a guy at Texas, uh, Texas Instruments. He got the Nobel Peace Prize for it. So, I questioned that. But the way Corso explained it was that he gave that information to industries and they didn't know where it came from. We were, we were already working on night vision because we had captured night vision from the Germans, the old red night vision, and then all of a sudden we had this green night vision we use today. So, I have a lot of questions about Corso's information and whether he wrote it or whether Bill Burns wrote it, I don't know but uh, it Well there's
1: there's a way to find out. Dennis, well if you go to the Open Minds uh website, they have made available the original Corso manuscript that I guess Bill Burns then took and put his stamp uh a creative stamp on it and there are quite a bit of differences between the two. Um I've done a little bit of digging on the you know the Corso story and found that he was not happy with the embellishments that were uh, that were put into the final um, published version of, of the Day After Roswell. So uh, if you're interested in looking and comparing versions, uh, Open Minds has made available uh, the Corso original manuscript. Uh, another thing that uh, you're involved with is your work in Egyptology and the Great Pyramids. And we have a number of questions that talk about uh, uh, your involvement in that type of research. Do you want to give us a, an overview of how you got involved in investigating these, <laughs> uh, these incredible structures? and? Uh.
7: John DeSalbo is uh, head of the advisory board of the Great Pyramids of Giza and uh, apparently he had been on Jeff Rents' radio show, Sightings on the Radio, and was talking about this and somehow ETs came up connected to pyramids. And I think Jeff recommended he get a hold of me, and he did. And he said that he'd like for me to join the advisory board. This was several years ago. They consist of about 30 different gentlemen from around the world, uh, from Italy, France, uh, Ukraine. Most of them are Egypt- Egyptologists and uh, physicists and and high-educated people. And then they stuck this old UFO researcher on there also, and. I can't rule out the possibility of an ET connection somehow because I'm convinced that the three pyramids of Giza, and I'm not talking about the other 80 or 90 pyramids in Egypt, but the three in Giza, the big three, and the Sphinx, I'm convinced, are much older than the Egyptian civilization.
0: Why are you convinced of that?
7: Well, primarily because of the Sphinx and the deterioration on the back of it. The Sphinx was covered in sand up to to its neck until the 1800s, so nobody even knew there was a body on the bottom of that Sphinx. And when it was uncovered, it was discovered that there's water damage, uh, erosion on the back, not caused by wind and sand. And there hadn't been that amount of water in that part of the world for 10 or 15,000 years, which predates Egyptian civilization. Another researcher that I know found evidence of salt water Pretty far up on the inside of the pyramid, indicating that there was a tremendous amount of water there at one time. Uh, One of our researchers, uh, Stephen Mueller, has done some research and talked to an individual in Egypt who has the history of different civilizations that have lived there. And he talks about an organization or civilization known as Khemetians K H E M I T I A N who lived in North Africa about 10,000 years ago. They were a black civilization primarily controlled by females and supposedly had contact with star people. Now, I'm not saying that ETs built the pyramids, but I am saying that the technology could have come from from there. The theories that the Egyptologists use on how the pyramids were built, they talk about a ramp, Uh, to take the stones up. We're talking 450 feet in the air, stones that weigh anywhere from 2 to 17 tons each. I I did some calculations on that, and I wrote an editorial. It's on my website in the editorial section. Uh, That ramp would have to be a minimum of 1,300 feet long, and every lift that it went up, it would have to be widened at the bottom in order to carry the load to get up. There would be more material in the ramp than there is in the pyramid, and I don't know where they would have got the wood to make the rollers for the carry, pulling the stones up on top. The other method of building it is talking about going around the pyramid in a spiral to, to get to the top. Uh, in any case, we're talking very, very large stones. And most Egyptologists say that it took 20 or 30,000 people 20 or 30 years to build.
0: And I'll tell you what, we can't get 20,000 people these days to do anything for 20 or 30 minutes, but that's another story. Dennis (laughs) Balfazer joining us. And if you have a comment or a question about the PowerCast, write us, news at thepowercast.com. Once again, that's news at thepowercast.com. We will read each and every message we get. That's a promise. Chris O'Brien's the co host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. The strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To receive your complimentary Fate magazine, call now at 1 800 728 2730. Or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1 800 728 2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits.
2: Peter Krachnummel from Midas Resources. Today's July 15th, 2011. Gold open this morning at Fifteen eighty-eight. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for sixteen twenty-seven ninety-two, eight thirteen ninety-six for a half ounce, and four o six ninety-eight for a quarter ounce. Sixteen twenty-seven
3: ninety-two, eight thirteen
2: ninety-six, and four o six ninety-eight.
3: The Constitution and Bill of Rights have been reduced to old relics politicians ignore and trample with their outlandish, overreaching policies. Your support for the Campaign for Liberty stands in the way of this insidious process. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I've teamed up with the Campaign for Liberty to offer the authentic proof quarter ounce pure gold coin. For only $480 plus shipping and handling, Midas will donate $100 to this incredible organization. Help fight big government by ordering your gold coin at 800-686-2237. You get to win twice by owning gold and fighting an overreaching government. Call 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237.
4: If you're
13: concerned about radiation poisoning from Japan in the air, water, or food and can't find potassium iodide, go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com and choose Liquid Zeolite. Liquid Zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. For fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning, use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee but is only available at Restore Your Health RestoreYourHealthNow.com Learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com Or call 800-880-9976 Call 800-880-9976
4: today And learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite GCN listeners, why have you been hearing so much about Dermatol, the all-natural all-purpose first aid spray? Because it's the must-have first aid product you need in your preparedness kit. Dermatol is made in America by Americans who know there's a more affordable, natural way to treat cuts, burns, bites, rashes, shingles, boils, and many other skin problems. Dermatol is gentle enough for diaper rash, powerful enough for bed sores, and harmless to the eyes and mouth. It's great for the whole family, even your family pets. Dermatol is antimicrobial, antifungal, anti viral and not diminished by freezing extreme heat or years in storage dermatol is an absolute must for any first aid or preparedness kit dermatol's soothing rapid restoration of injured skin is so effective it's guaranteed order yours today call 800-217-6677 800-217-6677 that's 800-217-6677 efficient economical effective spray it all with dermatol Are you
6: tired of searching for great talk radio?
4: Something more important. Search
6: no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
2: We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com.
0: In fact, these days, getting two people to agree on something is uh, <laughs> difficult. We well, have Dennis Ballfazer, The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. So the theory is, Dennis, that... Twenty or 30,000 people got together for 20 or 30 years to build the Great Pyramid.
7: Now, you're talking 2.5 million stones. At that rate, they would have to set the stone every 90 seconds. And that meant quarrying the stone miles away from where the pyramids are, shaping them, loading them on a barge, bringing them up the Nile River, transporting them across to the site of the pyramids. It's a mathematical impossibility. The other theory that I've heard about was that they filled up each lift with water and sealed it and then lifted it up like a barge. So, you know, we don't know. Here again, just like Roswell, we don't know who built them, when they were built, or how they were built. One of the big stories that we hear is that it was built for Khufu, Pharaoh of the Fourth Dynasty. The only thing they have ever found about Khufu is a three-inch statue, which is in the Cairo Museum, that is located miles away from where the pyramids are. So if this was built for Khufu, why was there nothing in there for the afterlife like it was for all the other pharaohs? The Arabs were the first to go in the pyramids in 890 A.D., and the only thing they found was an empty coffer, an, an empty box. They had not found anything for the afterlife, which would have to be there for the for the pharaoh, as was custom for, for any pharaoh that was buried Back in Egypt, so we had a lot of questions about the pyramids too.
1: This leads me to a question from Michael Allen, who's a—he's um, been uh, one of our foreign posters for about a year, and he quotes you from your website: "Dead pharaohs don't need air, so why were air shafts built in?" And he proposed. An answer to that question that, that, that you posed, okay. he says, I propose the air shafts were probably put in for those living, breathing beings who were lowering the bodies into the depths. Uh, would this be an acceptable alternative explanation? I think you kind of were addressing that.
7: Well, those air shafts align with certain stars, certain constellations perfectly, as do the three pyramids who are in alignment the same as Orion's belt in the constellation of Orion. The engineering involved with the building of the pyramids is something that we can't duplicate today. I mentioned earlier that I was involved with building some pretty big bridge structures for the Texas Highway Department. The last job we had was a 1,200-foot span between columns, and we were off by three feet. When we got to the middle, we cut a piece of steel, dropped it in, and that was it. The pyramids are off a quarter inch on each side. They have not sunk into the earth. Over 2,000, 4,000, 6,000 years. So there has to be some sub base material there that is capable of handling that weight. And what you see today was not the original pyramid, because the original pyramids were covered with polished limestone, which, when the sun reflected off them, were visible from the moon. Most of the researchers I've dealt with believe that the pyramids were built as energy machines, and not not to be used as a uh, as pharaohs burial
1: places. I have another question uh, about your interest in Egyptology from Zylo, who's been uh, a, who's a longtime poster here at uh, forum.theparacast.com. Regarding your research into the pyramids and Egyptology in general, Dennis, what does the fall of the government of Egypt do to the research that is taking place now? Also with the resignation of Ohioas, will this allow research to continue in the same vein that it has been continuing? Or is there hope to further research and explore new areas without worry of interference, or I I would add towing the uh, you know the conventional line that um, Hiawas has has maintained all through uh, the decades that he's been involved there. So so what is the state of of Egyptology now with the uh, new Egyptian government and Hiawas getting potentially busted uh, for antiquities uh, violations and and whatnot?
7: Well, the name Hiawas makes me sick to my stomach, for one thing. You have to understand that tourism is big business in Egypt. And for someone like me or someone on our board to come out and say that the three pyramids of Egypt on Giza probably were not Egyptian, it's not going to sell well because of the tourism. Hawass just recently appointed himself to a lifelong position. He was head of antiquities and... I will not watch a show that has Hawass on it because I don't believe a word the guy says. I think he's on the take for the tourism industry. He has been on just nearly every Egyptian documentary that's been made, but I think, I understand that now they are charging a tremendous amount to be able to go in the pyramid. I think the Sphinx has got a fence around it where you can't get up real close to it anymore, so the tourism industry is pretty much taking it over. There was a time not too long ago when we wanted to get into the paw of the Sphinx because there's a void in there. We know we did some ground penetrating radar, and we found a void inside there, and we believe that there may be information on how the pyramids were built or about Atlantis inside there, and so far, we've not been able to get access in there. Hollis has done a lot to to restrict good research as far as the pyramids, and we were hoping that he would retire, and since he hasn't, we we don't know what the future holds as far as trying to get more information.
1: Okay, it's just another Roswell question that I missed about it being some super secret terrestrial technology that's being that was covered up. But we've kind of beaten that horse a little bit. Um, we can't beat those horses, so let's look past you know the repetitive Roswell questions. Well, my question's about, uh, you know, I've always been fascinated, obviously, with uh, the pyramids and other megalithic structures. What are your theories uh, in terms of could these structures actually be proof in some way, shape, or form of some sort of intervention by uh, technological outsiders, uh, for lack of a better term? I, I cringe at the extraterrestrial hypothesis. so. I tend to uh, try to couch everything in general terms, but do you think with, you know, you mentioned the impossibility of laying, you know, one of these blocks every 90 seconds uh, mm-hmm. with the prevailing theory, and the lintel, uh, w- what is it, The I think there's a stone at Baalbek in Lebanon that's... So large, I, I forget how many. Uh, it's almost a thousand tons, of, if memory serves me correct. That we couldn't even lay today with modern super heavy-duty equipment to lift a stone of that size. How how do you think megalithic structures were created? Do you think that they were completely terrestrial in in their origin in terms of the technology involved, or do you think we're we're we have yet to discover uh, some sort of knowledge that ancient man had. Let's say to levitate stones, for instance, has you know been a prevailing theory. Or do you think that there's there's some outside influence that has uh, helped us in these in these uh, constructions?
7: Well, you got Easter Island, you got the Incas, the Mayans, you got Stonehenge. Those are all structures that were built hundreds or thousands of years ago. And
0: we'll have to get into more of those mysterious structures, if they are mysterious, with Dennis Balthaser progressing beyond Roswell into other interests. But first, a reminder. If you'd like to have your question read to our guests on the Paracast, here's the way we do it. We set up a special place over at forum.theparacast.com. That's the official Paracast community forums where you can post your messages. The place is called the Question Bank. We'll set up a forum, topic, or thread when a guest is scheduled, and there you can ask your questions. We'll ask them on the air. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in The The Paracast.
16: Local Army Navy surplus stores are hard to find these days, but not military issue supplies. They're right here online at mainmilitary.com. That's right, just like the state, M A I N E, military.com. We have everything for true total preparedness. Mainmilitary.com is not a typical website, it has much more than your old surplus store quality military-issue survival gear like canteens, mess kits, utensils, gas masks, filters, and chemical suits, magnesium fire-starting tools, strike anywhere, waterproof, and storm matches, first aid kits, splints, tourniquets, parachute 550 cord, military manuals, sandbags by the bail, and a huge molly assortment of vests and pouches for every need. Call 207 989 6783. 207 989 6783. Or visit mainmilitary.com. That's M A I N E military.com. The main name in military supply.
11: If you drive for a living, you don't get paid to stop or wait in line. Keep your wheels moving with PrePass. Bypass way stations. Fly by port of entry facilities. Stay moving at highway speed. While the guy without PrePass waits in line. Save time. Save money. Call 888-401-PASS to try PrePass free. That's 888 401
12: What's cooking at PrizeKitchen.com? Plenty. Low prices on your favorite kitchen brand appliances, Vitamix blenders, Omega juicers, reverse osmosis systems, and more. Plus, free shipping on it all. PrizeKitchen.com gives your family the tools for a healthy lifestyle by eating more fruits and veggies and drinking pure water. Go to PrizeKitchen.com. Great selection. Low prices. Free shipping. PrizeKitchen.com. We help make healthy lifestyles convenient.
4: You've heard a lot lately about Zeolite, but what is it and why do you need it? Zeolite is a beautiful, complex, crystalline structure that encapsulates radiation and odors. Zeo King Zeolite naturally eliminates radiation poisoning your body may pick up from x-rays, security scanners, or nuclear fallout. Zeo King flushes environmental toxins absorbed from smoke, cell phones and chemicals so it detoxifies heavy metals including mercury lead and cadmium. Zeo King Zeolite helps boost your immune system allowing your body to balance itself and cut off food supply to cancer and parasites. Order your Zeo King Zeolite now from zeoking.com for only $39.99 and receive a free month supply with every order. Call 888-402-6779 that's 888 888- 402 eight four oh two six seven seven nine or visit zeoking.com that's zeoking.com for natural elimination of radiation poisoning the
6: gcn radio network providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio g c n great talk radio starts here
7: Hi, this is Brad and you're listening to the Powercast, And I completely, enthusiastically endorse this program. It's an absolutely great program with opportunities to stretch out and talk.
0: So, did ET build the Great Pyramid? Ancient civilizations. What about Easter Island? All that other stuff. We have Dennis Balfazer to try to unearth the mysteries and help provide answers. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the PowerCast. Dennis, let's continue in that vein.
7: Okay, but if you look at the tools that the Egyptians had, they were copper tools, and there's been attempts to duplicate the building of the pyramids. I know Nova, uh, several years ago, they tried to build a pyramid and use modern-day equipment and couldn't do it. The Ukrainian researcher on our board, Latimer Kosinolovits, and I love it when I can say that, he has done some work in the Ukraine, former Russian area, with the Russian uh, engineering group, and they have built some pyramids there, and he has discovered that bacteria doesn't grow inside the pyramid, and we've heard the story about razor blades staying sharp for a long time. There's some form of energy produced by, by pyramids in general. And uh, Joe Parr spent two nights on top of the Great Pyramid on two different occasions with some equipment and uh, did some testing. And he believes that there was a bubble around the pyramid that coincides with the 11-year sunspot cycle. He is convinced that it was built as an energy machine of some sort. Uh, One of the pyramids has got a flat top. It was never finished, and that's where he spent the whole night. On two different occasions, doing doing his testing. There's just so much mystery around the pyramids because there's no record, and, and the Egyptians were good at keeping records of nearly everything, but we've not been able to find any information on how they were built, who did who built them, and for what purpose. Now, the fact that they had these polished limestone coverings on them, which were all taken off by the Arabs, and used to build mosques and temples and stuff like that. There's only one pyramid that still has any, and that's up near the top of it, uh, one of the, the second largest one. So, you know, what you see today is not what was there originally. We have to go back past the Egyptian civilization because of the equipment that they had and, and the technology. They were, they were smart people, there's no doubt about that. But I don't believe that they were the ones that were responsible for building those three. Now, the other pyramids in Egypt are poor replicas, and I think that the the three of Giza stand out over those others, and there's probably 80 or 90 other pyramids in Egypt, but I also think there's still a lot, a tremendous amount of structures that are below the sand that haven't been discovered yet. So I think uh, in the years to come, I think there'll be more information coming out. Hopefully, we'll, we'll finally hear or learn how they were built and who built them.
0: How would you do that if we had an advanced civilization here on Earth 10,000 years ago, whatever? And for whatever reason, that civilization vanished, gone. I mean, consider our civilization 10,000 years from now. If something happened and all went away right now, maybe some global catastrophe, would we have any evidence of anything?
7: Not at the rate we're going, but here again, you can get into the extraterrestrials, too. If they can get here, you know, our technology has transpired over the last, what, 50, 100 years, particularly the last 30 years. And, you know, where are we going to be 50 or 100 years from now? So if extraterrestrials were able to get here, their knowledge is possibly thousands of years ahead of us. So there wouldn't be any communication between the two of us because they're just too far advanced for us. And I, I I don't know what we would leave, really. Right now, I don't know anything that really would be worth leaving.
1: Well, a lot of plastic will be uh, be scattered around the uh, environment, that's for sure. <laughs> All those iPads and those iPhones, that's aluminum.
7: Well, you know, there's, there are places on, on Earth today... Uh, in the jungles and stuff where when people see an airplane, they don't have any idea what it is. It's the first time they ever saw an airplane. If they're exposed to some of the modern technology we have, they have no idea what it is. So, you know, would Columbus have known what an iPod is or or anything like that? So I think it's, it's something we have to look at.
0: Well, isn't that part of the thing that we have trying to understand Roswell? If we have the wreckage and we have evidence of an advanced civilization... What portion of it would we understand? I mean, look at the movie Independence Day. And there's this Area 51 scene. They recover this crashed spaceship back in the late 1940s. And they can't figure out what it is. After all these years, of course, you have the crazy scientist played by the same guy who played Data in Star Trek Next Generation. But the point there is a valid point, which is you can have this thing sitting there, all this evidence of this super advanced technology how do you get past it?
7: Well, that's what I said a while ago about, uh, you know, if, if all we picked up was pieces of a craft, then trying to put that together and make sense of it, I don't think they've done that yet. Now, you say pieces.
0: Now, wouldn't we assume that most of the craft, whether together or apart, was recovered, or did some of it just disintegrate?
7: What they claim they found were pieces up to about three to five feet, most of it small pieces. Now. A few months later, in 1948, there was a crash at Aztec in northern okay. New Mexico with a 99-foot craft, pretty much intact, thirteen bodies.
1: Well, did, wait, wait a minute before you go on, Dennis. I mean, where do you fall down uh, on the Aztec crash? Uh, there's quite a vocal group out there that believes that the whole thing was, was a fabricated story and that there was no crash at Aztec. Where do you fall down on that?
7: Well, I I was the same way for years until I met Scott Ramsey and his wife, uh, Suzanne, from North Carolina. And for the last 14, 15 years, he has been going to Air Force archives in Alabama and many other archives. And he is starting to put down what he has found. And he's got a book that will be out probably later this year or early next year.
0: Now, I want to mention that before we go on, because we've had Scott Ramsey on the show a couple of times. Of course, your friend Frank Warren, and we've talked about the Aztec thing. And the problem I have with it and a lot of people have is that we hear about the book but it's always vaporware, as they say in software. It's promised but never delivered. Is it going to really happen this time?
7: It's going to happen. I, he just keeps I talked to him the other day and he said he he had gone out to California and talked to Silas's granddaughter or somebody and got some more information. He said every time he's ready to complete the book, he's got another chapter or another bunch of information to put in it. So I I can't tell you when he's going to come out with it, but, but I know he is. And I'm I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I worked with, with uh, Scott and Suzanne for the last 10, 15 years, I guess. And, and uh, I was of the opinion that Aztec was nothing. And the more I've talked to Scott and to other people, uh, I believe it did happen and that the craft was taken probably to Colorado uh, on the back roads where nobody knew about it.
0: So, why are so many people dismissive of this case?
7: Well, because of all the publicity it got for the, when it first was made public and, and the fact that these guys were supposedly con artists of some kind. But again, Scott told me the other day that he's pretty well proven that that wasn't the case. I, I can't give you any details other than what he's told me in emails or on the phone. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the book and seeing what he has to say.
0: Well, we all are looking forward to it. I've told Scott a couple of times that we'll be happy to have him back on the Powercast when the book about Aztec comes out. And we want to also have him debate a skeptic, something like uh, Kevin Randall. Mm-hmm. A reasoned discussion, pro and con, once the book is out. Give everyone a chance to have their questions answered on the Powercast. We'll have our listeners list the questions. So we'll look forward to seeing the book Scott Ramsey about Aztec supposedly coming out late this year or early 2012. <laughs> Maybe it's too late in 2012. We won't be around to worry about it, will we? Well,
7: you know, he's got the. He, he's under the same impression I am as far as his research. He's he's turning down many many opportunities to speak. Scott and I were involved. In fact, helped get the Aztec festival or conference going when it first started back in. Ninety-seven, ninety-eight, somewhere back then, and had built it up to, to be a pretty good conference and had a bunch of good speakers come in every year. We didn't have a whole lot of the woo-woos.
0: Well, they and, sure uh, do now. I'll yeah. tell you what, we'll get into more of woo-woos and not-so-woo-woo. Is that a phrase or is that a <laughs> proper description? Not-so-woo-woo. <laughs> Sounds like a well, foreign language, Gene. Not-so-woo-woo, Dennis Balthaser. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online
4: How would you like to have normal blood pressure?
7: This is Ernesto from Illinois. I had my doctor's appointment yesterday and I got my labs in. My HDL is 119L and my LDL is 37L. My doctor asked what I was doing to lower it so much, so I told her about HB extract.
4: Millions of people, like Ernesto, are suffering from high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, unbalanced cholesterol, irregular heartbeat, and clogged arteries. But now there's an effective, natural, 100% organic nutritional supplement for a healthy heart and circulation Heart and Body Extract.
7: My blood pressure has not gone past 125 over 80 in almost a month.
4: Experience amazing benefits when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of Heart and Body Extract.
7: I did a double take when she looked at my ER labs.
6: She couldn't believe
4: it. Order at HBextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's HBextract.com or call 866-295-5305. Thank you. Heart and Body Extract. CrossbreedHolsters dot
3: Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since nineteen eighty six, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call eight hundred six eight six two two three seven. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237.
18: You've heard great things about Berkey. You've been thinking of getting a Berkey water purification system, but for some reason, you haven't made your purchase just yet. Okay. Here's one more reason to buy the best water purification system you can buy now. The Berkey Guy at GoBerkey.com is giving away free Pelican flashlights. Yes, with every purchase of any Berkey water purification system from the Berkey Guy at GoBerkey.com, you'll receive a free Pelican 2360 LED flashlight, a $39 value. But it won't last long. This offer ends today. Hurry, call 877-886-3653, 877-886-3653, or shop online at goberkey.com. That's go, B-E-R-K-E-Y.com. No coupon code necessary. A free Pelican flashlight is yours with every purchase of any Berkey water purification system only at goberkey.com or by calling 877-886-3653. Hurry, offer ends today. America's
6: number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
7: Hi, this is Ted Phillips listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me.
0: That is Chris O'Brien's not-so-woo-woo voice. (laughs) He's <laughs> the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg, the host. Our guest is Dennis Balthaser from one more time on the Powercast, and we are taking a brief excursion into Aztec territory. It's controversial, and people who even accept Roswell don't necessarily accept Aztec. And maybe that's one of the final few questions we'll go into, Dennis. Why is it, then, that Aztec tends to be more dismissed?
7: Well, it hasn't had the publicity for one thing that uh, Roswell's had for many years. You haven't had the type researchers involved, I think. Like, well, Stanton was the first original civilian researcher for Roswell, and Schmidt and Carey and David Rudiak myself. We've had a lot of, a lot of serious researchers working Roswell, whereas with Aztec, I think Scott probably is going to be, I believe Scott will be the authority on Aztec. I really do. I think he has enough information that he'll present that it's going to give it a lot of validity, and I think it's going to make people look at it twice. Speaking
1: of uh, northern New Mexico, where do you come down in terms of Dulce? I mean, that's, uh, I think uh, you were up there at at Norio Hayakawa's inaugural conference, if I remember correctly, and. There was quite a collection of, uh, of researchers that uh, presented there, and uh, we both networked with uh, quite a number of people, including uh, some local um, Hickory Apache. Where do you come down on the whole Dulce scenario? Because, of course, Dulce is just right down the road from Aztec.
7: I really don't know about Dulce. I'm, I've heard the stories for years, and when we had that meeting, that conference, uh, we all stayed at the Hickory Apache Best Western, the only hotel in town and there's a lot of money been spent in that little town of Sea for the, the Hickory Apache Reservation is headquartered there, and they have some very modernistic schools and buildings and things like that, and then they have this Best Western Hotel with a casino in it out in the middle of nowhere. When we had the conference, we had Nario expected 20, 30 people, and we had 130 show up, and we had to move it uh, twice to get into a facility that the fire people would let us use. I got the impression from the the Native Americans that if they see something, they pretty much keep it to themselves because they think it's personal. If they see something in the sky, they they think that's just for them. And they don't share a whole lot, although some of them that were at the, the conference did and talked about craft they had seen and things like that. But one of the interesting things that happened was the morning of the conference on a Sunday, it was supposed to start at 10 o'clock, and about 8 o'clock, we yeah, heard... thump, 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 thump. Yeah, and there was a black unmarked helicopter hovering over the hotel. I think he was probably looking at license plates of the vehicles in the parking lot, but the uh, Hickory Apache were very upset because they had no idea where the helicopter came from or what its purpose was. They do have one come in for medical once in a while, but nothing like that. So that got everybody's attention. I talked to one guy who said that, it's real, but it's not on the Archuleta Mesa where everybody thinks. It's somewhere else close by. And, of course, they've had a lot of cattle mutilations, which Chris knows about up there in that area. And, and one of the ranchers, in fact, has had to quit raising cattle because of the mutilations.
1: And, and did a good presentation, Manuel Gomez. Uh, he, he was the first real major presenter at the conference. <laughs> I was yeah. actually impressed with his uh, documentation, his command of uh, the case which goes back to the late seventies and there's definitely something going on there and the the revelation that Archuleta Mesa has is I think is you could almost consider it potentially as a red herring as you mentioned uh, there was some talk about a facility being located 18 miles west of 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 Dulce uh, in the direction of Aztec kind of halfway between Dulce and Aztec and I don't know anybody that's really, pardon the expression, dug into that particular assertion. But uh, so, do you feel that there is some sort of facility there, uh, irregardless of whether it's you know alien or maybe a joint alien-human facility? Do you have a sense that there is some sort of underground facility there?
7: I think there there is somewhere, and I think Dulce may be the diversionary site for it. I don't know if you've been on the on the Mesa or not, Chris, but. Scott, get back to Scott Ramsey, has been up there several times, and he said that there is a place up there which has got a doorway of some kind that's been gunited or concreted over, and there are, there's some equipment up there that he says is from an old mine, which, with my knowledge of underground bases, that would be an ideal location to start a underground facility because they wouldn't have to do all the drilling. They would already have access to a, a void in the earth. So I, I think maybe there's something to it. Phil Schneider's story is of, of interest to me, but many have tried to disprove that and I don't know if there's any validity to, to Schneider's story about the fire fight and things like that. New Mexico is is just full of stuff that people don't know anything about. You have Los Alamos, Sandia Lab, uh White Sands, the atomic bombs tested here. How much Montana. of that do you
0: think is related, however, to situations of test weapons and test equipment, test aircraft?
7: Uh, I think most of the the aircraft testing is probably up at Area 51 rather than the White Sands or, or any of the places here in town, here in New Mexico. But Plus Los Alamos, we don't know what goes on all all up there. One of the things I found on the underground basis research that really shocked me was that FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, is heavily involved in underground facilities. They started this back uh, years ago as a continuity of government for the president and the Congress and things like that. There's a location in Raven Rock, Pennsylvania that has a Complete underground Pentagon for all the military bigwigs. The White House has a facility underneath it where Cheney went during the 9 11 terrorist attack. Bush went to uh, Nebraska. He was down south and got on Air Force One and uh, went to Nebraska and went underground. Uh, Raven Rock is a military. Greenbrier used to be, for the Congress, that's been exposed, and now they have a new place somewhere I haven't found yet. So there's a lot going on with underground facilities, and it's become necessary because of satellites. You can't do anything above ground anymore because you can read a newspaper from 200 miles up. And I think anything that's secretive is going to either be done inside a hangar or a building or either underground thus the reason for places like Area 51 having 22 levels below ground, one of the bases in California, 40 some levels below ground. White Sands, I know, has four levels. They did laser testing on the fourth level. They may have seven levels. Dulce, they were talking about seven or nine levels below ground there. So it's become fairly common, and most countries uh, are following suit. They're doing the same thing, going underground with all their facilities. So, of course, there are
0: always legitimate reasons why you might have secret bases because of security, national security and all that. But it could also be used as an excuse to cover up other stuff that isn't so simple to explain. Tell our listeners in the last minute or so here, Dennis Balthaser, where our listeners can learn more about the things that you do. Uh,
7: My website, truthseeker at Roswell. That's all one word, truthseeker at Roswell dot com and my email address was on there and i usually try to i get 50 to 100 emails a day and delete most of them but i do try to respond quickly to to all the emails i get if anybody he responds
0: by the way to lots of emails mine he always deletes chris is, he answers <laughs> you know they look at my name and they think the name steinberg is a synonym for spam ah and the only spam i know about is that strange meat, that lunch meat from
1: Hormel (laughs) which was actually devised from evidence from Roswell, we got our recipe for spam
0: Chris O'Brien,
1: where do we find more of your recipes? Well, I'm a moderator at forum.theparacast.com you'll always find me lurking about and occasionally I might even chime in with some uh, rude comment but uh, I do have a website, ourstrangeplanet.com and I want to thank Dennis for being on the show, Dennis, you're a real trooper it's always a pleasure when we run into each other and uh, compare notes. And, uh, hey, I think you still have something to offer the field. I think you should think twice about, uh, you know, kind of retiring from the field. And I'm glad to hear that you're out and about and, and uh, doing your, your keynote speaker and master of ceremonies uh, job. She did a great job at Angel Fire. And, uh, you know, I applaud your, your many years and, and all your efforts.
7: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And you guys, you have one of the best shows on, on the Internet and on radio, and I really appreciate you, you, your in-depth research that you do. Right? I just am in awe of that. The
4: Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated.